Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. I've got some dear friends visiting. Came down from King. Is that the name of it? King. We're glad you're here. This is the Anna Brads, and they're, I don't even know the name of their church, but, um, cause, cause of my memory, but, uh, I'm glad they're, they've come. I'm gonna have you pray when it's time. It ain't time yet, but get ready. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 30, the Bible says this. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 30. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. All right? There you got Matthew, Matthew's account. Two blind men, says. Mark chapter 10. Go to Mark chapter 10. Three of the gospel writers mention these, this guy. Uh, Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. Bible says this. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. All right, go to Luke 18. Luke chapter 18. We'll get our text out of this one. Luke chapter 18, and uh, let me see. Verse 35 is, I'm pretty sure... Verse 35, Luke 18, verse 35, Bible says this. And it came to pass that he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. Hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passed by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, uh, have mercy on me. You've got the three gospel writers giving three accounts of this same event. And they emphasize different things, which is logical because they're different men. Matthew mentions that there are two. And I wondered about that because when it comes to one of my favorite Bible characters, the maniac Gadara, amen, uh, uh, he mentions in Matthew's account in chapter 8 mentions that there were two. But Mark doesn't, Luke doesn't. And I thought about that. What's up with Matthew... And he, and I figured it out. You're going to be so proud of me. Uh, he was a tax man. He's in the numbers. Think about it. Yeah, as tax season approaches. I'm sorry, I don't want to ruin your night. Mark gives us something else. Mark gives us the name. Matthew didn't mention it. Luke didn't mention it. But Mark gives us his name. His name is Bartimaeus. And all the kids know about blind Bartimaeus from Sunday school and vacation Bible school and things like that. And that's what I want to preach on tonight. Uh, I want to preach on uh, Bartimaeus. Uh, he's not blind anymore. I struggle to come up with the right name. But I'm going to call him Blind Beggar Bart. Did you get that sound, people? Blind Beggar Bart. Okay? Carve that on a CD with a knife. And... Uh, and uh, we're going to pick it up and continue wherever we stopped. Verse 39, it says, And they which went before rebuked him, Bartimaeus, the beggar, uh, that he should hold his peace. <laughs> but he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. 
And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, uh, verse 41, What wilt thou uh, that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, boy, that's a magic word right there, boy. He recognized him for who he is. And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith has saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Brother Innerbrad, would you play, pray for the service tonight, please? God, Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Now, there's four things I want to give you tonight out of uh, verse uh, 43. Four things out of verse 43 in this account of the blind beggar. And again, we know his name is Bartimaeus. It says in verse 43, first of all, it said, and immediately he received his sight. Immediately. Uh, He didn't have to begin consultation with an ophthalmologist. I'm on my way home. Uh, I'm going to have a consultation with an orthopedic surgeon starting Monday. Pray that they would get me under the knife and they're going to do a shoulder replacement. I need one. And I made an exception to my schedule to get home, canceled a bunch of meetings to get home, get that done, get it over with so I can get back in the fight. Amen. I hear that's about people that are having medical procedures. Praise the Lord. Let me just brag on the Dayton VA. They have done uh, uh, wonders for me. I have no complaints. But a lot of times when people need medical things, they got to begin a process. And nothing like that happened with Bartimaeus because you see the word immediately. He didn't have to wait for an okay from his insurance uh, uh, company. We have prayed for people that are waiting on a procedure and, 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 and getting in touch with them and getting an update. We're just waiting on the insurance to okay it. No problem like that for Bartimaeus. He's blind. He asked Jesus to heal him that he might receive his sight. Bible says immediately received his sight. He didn't even have to go to somebody's house and wait three days for a disciple to come and lay hands on him like Saul did. Amen. The Bible makes it clear that immediately he received his sight. Can you imagine what that was like for him? Could you imagine seeing for the first time? When my wife describes getting saved, now she was 23 and she'd been in college and she was very successful in in worldly pursuits, but she was honest enough to admit that something was missing. Amen. If you're honest enough to admit something's missing, God will show you what it is. And God showed her, and she got saved, and she describes it. She describes it as going from black and white to color. That's a great way to describe it. Some of you remember when TV went from black and white to color. Amen. 
Some of you don't remember that. I see. Amen. But um, that's what we're talking about here. The Bible said immediately he received his sight. I mean, he saw his first sunrise. He saw his first sunset. He saw his first flower. Here you guys live in this beautiful, beautiful place. People come from thousands of miles away just to ride motorcycles in these hills. Say, how do I know? Because I've done it a couple of times. It's beautiful here. This guy's seeing a sunset and a sunrise. You know, I've been at some museums. I mean, we have worn out the national parks and all the cool places when we traveled for 20 years with all the kids. And we finally got down to, to asking my wife, what, what else can we do? And she said, well, there's some nice art museums we can go to. And me and the kids all rolled their eyes, but we had to accommodate her. I've been everywhere. I've been in the National Art Gallery in, in uh, Washington, D.C. I've been in the Met in Manhattan. I've been in the most famous art museums in the United States. I think my wife was hoping a little culture would rub off. And if you think it didn't, you should have seen me before. Amen. And I, here's what I noticed in these art galleries, I mean, with the world's most famous artists. You know what they draw pictures of, paint, paint beautiful pictures of? Sunrises, sunsets, forests, beaches, seaside. And I'm looking at it and said, you know, these people should go outside because God does this every single day somewhere. And the best man can do is try to imitate what God does on a regular basis. Some of us should get our nose out of our phones, out of our computers, out of our house, go outside and look at what God has made. I pulled in here, I pulled in here tonight, and I back it in to the space, and in my mirror is a beautiful sky, beautiful sky, the sun was just setting, and uh, the colors were, I mean, I just, and, and then I look out the windshield, and there's a full moon here, and I got, and I thought, man, God is so cool to do that, he did that for us, amen, so this is Bartimaeus, he's blind, I don't know how old he is, He's not a child. As a matter of fact, maybe the, maybe he saw his own child's face for the first time. Wouldn't that be amazing? This is a big deal. Immediately he received his sight. And, uh, you know, the first person he saw, don't you? First person he saw was Jesus Christ. Standing there talking to him. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus Christ. Aren't you? All right. So, so he has gone. Listen, up until this point in Bartimaeus' life, everything had just been darkness. That's hard to imagine living in total darkness. Truth be known, this darkness describes an unsaved person's spiritual condition in the Bible. Uh, Zacharias, John the Baptist's father, Zacharias was told prior to his birth in Luke chapter 1, uh, that is, John the Baptist's purpose was to give light to them which sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. In Acts 26, Paul gives his testimony of King Agrippa. He's on trial, he's bound, he's in chains, he's defending himself, he's going to be sent to Rome, he's literally never a free man, truthfully, a free man again. And you know what he says before he starts talking? He says, I think myself happy. And the reason that sticks out to me is because I, I know Christians that they can't think themselves happy when everything's going great. 
No wonder they're not winning anybody. No wonder they're not inviting. Why would anybody want what you got with the mullet grubs on your face all the time? Amen. Uh, we was reminded of something recently. I was out in Texas and, and I said, if you're saved, why don't you tell your face? You should see what I got to put up with week after week. Uh, you guys have like teams in North Carolina? I mean, some place got teams. NFL, NFL, you know, all them guys. I don't pay much attention. But boy, you start talking about that stuff and people light up. You start talking about Jesus Christ and they're just, it's amazing to me. Amen, amen. Here's, let me show you something I learned on the road. You have to know how to do this in the age in which we live. <laughs> Watch this. Amen, Brother Spurgeon. See, we can do it. We can amen ourselves, you know. Uh, that was worth amening. <laughs> See, I don't like his preaching. I don't either. What's that got to do with it? It's still Bible. Amen. You know, from there, from there, thinking himself happy. Uh, you know, some people are so negative all the time. I have come to decide that, that that's a personality disorder. If you're not going to hell, I get it. I get it. We're wicked, sinful. We need to be reproved and reviewed. I'm telling you what, I tried to get unhappy one time, and I'm not happy with myself, let alone everybody else. But man, Jesus Christ has never let me down. I start thinking about the cares of this life, and he starts reminding me that I won't have any in the other side, on the other side, in the next life. And I, you know, that helps me. Amen. I wasn't as happy when I was lost. Amen. But now I'm not lost anymore. I'm saved. Amen. All right. Act 26. Uh, Paul goes on and uh, to give, he gives his commission. He describes his commission to Agrippa uh, after giving his testimony and what the Lord's called him to do. In verse 18, it says, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. You know what that tells you? That tells you that Satan has the power to cause people to think they're okay. When truthfully, they're in spiritual darkness. You're going to go to the street uh, next week somewhere. You go to the street. If you do any personal work, you'd hand out tracts. You're going to hear people say, I'm okay. I mean, that's the answer some people give. They don't even want to. I'm okay. And I can't help but think if, if your sins aren't under the blood of Jesus Christ, you're not even close to being okay. Amen. But people are doing okay health-wise, doing okay family-wise, got a good job, things like that. And uh, that's the devil. And let me, let me tell you, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, in whom the God of this world, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And uh, let me just say it like this. If you're in here tonight and you're not saved, living in spiritual darkness would describe you right now. Let's say, Brother Burton, it's Monday night, I'm in church. Well, you know somebody that isn't. You know somebody that might be a nice person, great person, maybe somebody you care about, love, work with, live next door to, and they're not saved, and you just keep coming to church and going through the motions and maybe living a good life. You need to rekindle your burden for their soul because they're in darkness. Sometimes we think, well, we might be okay. 
Well, good, because we're surrounded by people that aren't, and they don't know what to do about it, and we do. So let me go on and say this. If, if you're in here and you're not saved, the good news is that that darkness can be turned to light. That loved one, that person you know that's not saved, that's in darkness, can be turned to light. I talked to somebody yesterday, and, uh, man, I said, you know, somebody there telling you about their sons out in left field. Listen, I had a praying mother. I was way out there, but a praying mother, faithful, consistent, stayed right with God. The Bible says the effects of firm prayer of a righteous man. You got to stay right with God if you're ever going to intercede for anybody else. And I didn't understand any of that, but I'm glad looking back that my folks did. Amen? Because, uh, he, the, boy, the Lord got a hold of me in answer to prayer. Praise the Lord. It says immediately he received his sight. And then the verse, our text goes on, it says, uh, and followed him. Amen. I mean, right away. Uh, it says like this in Mark chapter 10 and verse 52, in Mark's account, it said, and Jesus said unto him, go thy way. Amen. He, he, he say, it says, thy faith has made thee whole. And, and Luke, it says, thy faith has saved thee. Uh, there's no strings attached. And he told him, go thy way. And immediately, uh, he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Jesus said, go thy way. He didn't go his way. He followed Jesus in the way he was going. You know what that tells me? The Lord will change the direction in your life if you'll let him, if you'll let him. Let me say this. He didn't follow Jesus Christ. A lot of people did in the Gospels. He didn't follow Jesus Christ to do to see what he was going to do next, like many. Let's face it. He was doing things nobody had ever done before. He was doing things nobody's done since. A lot of people were following him. They were just curious. Amen. People are curious. But that ain't why Bartimaeus followed him. Uh, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't following him to see what he could do for, for him. Uh, a lot of people do that. I mean, a lot of people in the gospel, they follow him. They had, they're hungry in one place and they had issues and, and they needed to be healed or they had relatives that needed to be healed. And the multitudes followed Jesus Christ all over, uh, uh, because, because, uh, of what he might do for them. But that's not the case. With Bartimaeus. And uh, he didn't follow him because he said, wow, this is great. I was blind and now I can see and all that stuff I described. And now Jesus starting to leave and it just didn't occur to him last minute. Wait a minute. I better go with him because if I don't, if I don't follow him, maybe I'll go blind again. He didn't follow him for that reason either. And I say that to say this. Worrying about losing your salvation is a bondage that God never intended you to be in when he made you free. And there's people that fill churches all over America every week, and and just to be honest, in the back of their mind, there's a fear that if they don't do something just right, they're back on the road to hell. Let me tell you something. That's one thought that never crossed my mind once I saw clearly what God did when he saved me. Let me help you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have. All right. Everlasting, thank you. Everlasting life. Now, 
There must be some confusion about that. So I wanted to get to the bottom of it. So I got my, drug my 1828 out. How they got that in your little phone, I don't know. But I got one at home, big green dictionary. And uh, I looked everlasting up. Yeah, not in the Greek. Not in the Hebrew. Amen. Why would I do that? I looked it up in English. It says, everlasting. Like, last forever. I'm going, doesn't that settle the issue? It does for me. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about dropping a ball. I'm worried about failing them. But I ain't worried about going to hell. Bartimaeus did not follow Jesus Christ because uh, because of what he might do, what he might do next about what he needed. Uh, he didn't follow because he was afraid that maybe what uh, the Lord had done for him might somehow diminish or go away. Uh, listen, he followed him out of gratitude. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech thee therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The Lord gave Bartimaeus his sight, and he appreciated enough that the Bible records that he followed him. And what God did for you, if you're saved in here tonight, what God did for you is a much bigger deal than that, isn't it? And, and so I, you know, just my way of thinking, it's reasonable, just like the Bible says, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy. You say, well, what's that mean? It's not a secret. You got to read the book. What's acceptable to God? It's in there. Amen. Quit YouTubing stuff. Quit Googling stuff and look in your Bible. I call I call Google uh, the Wizard of Oz. You know, I mean, I got to go way back into my childhood. But wasn't there some mystical person behind the curtain that had all the answers? Amen. His his first name was Oz, but his last name is Google, I think. Amen. I also have a name for Amazon Prime. It's called Santa Claus. Amen. So, moving on before I offend anybody. Amen. <laughs> All right. So he followed him. He followed him. And, and you know what? You should follow. Are you saved? You know, I was setting a trap for you, didn't you? If you're saved, you should follow Jesus too. Isn't that reasonable? You know, there's a song and, uh, and uh, you know, we hear it, sing it sometimes. Uh, I have decided to follow Jesus. You know, the world behind me. The cross before me. Remember that? Amen. You know, I like the song and everything. And, but I'm going to tell you something. I got thinking about it. And uh, after getting saved, that's the best decision you're ever going to make in your life. But it's a decision you're going to have to make. He won't make you. He didn't make Bartimaeus. He said, all right, your faith. You got the faith. You thought I could do it. I'm the Lord. I did it. Go on. He went, are you kidding me? To whom shall we go? Uh, uh, Peter said in John 6, that's the words of eternal life. That's the way I feel about it. To whom shall we go, man? There ain't no place to go. I decided 
to follow Jesus. Bartimaeus did. Everyone should. Everyone doesn't. Some people think that they're doing God a favor by showing up at church once in a while. You're missing out. Amen. I guess the question next before I move on is, is what about you? I acknowledge you're here tonight. I'm glad you're here tonight. There's a good spirit here tonight. But truth be known, and I'm not questioning your salvation or whether you love Jesus or whether you believe the King James Bible. But have you decided to follow Jesus? Amen. I would recommend it. All right, number three, it says, And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And look back it up, look back up at uh, verse 39. This is one of them loud guys probably made the dignified people uncomfortable. It says there in 39 again, and they that, uh, and they which went before rebuked him, that he said, hold his peace. I'm going to a church, man. I'm going to a church where they don't know us. And, uh, and, uh, a preacher will say something or a hymn or, you know, hit home and I'll say, Amen. <laughs> People jump. Because <laughs> they don't, they're not used to it. It'll jump, you know, which causes me to say it louder. <laughs> now, now I've been at the church one day, nobody said anything worth saying Amen to, so I understand. But not too many, not, that's probably not even true. What's good thing about adults is when you say Amen, they'll jump. And, but kids, kids, they're like, looking around. And when they look around, I go, that was me. And they'll smile. Yeah, I'm trying to, yeah. Amen. It says, it says, let's read again, verse 39. And they which went before rebuked him, that he said, hold his peace. But he cried so much the more. (laughs) I like him. (laughs) Thou son of David, have mercy on me. They couldn't shut him up when he was a blind beggar. Now he's received his sight. Verse 43 says he's going for God. You know you know nobody's going to shut him up now. Well, let's face it. He was excited about receiving his sight. You know, picture yourself in his place. Wouldn't you be? And now let me say it again. Isn't saving your soul an even bigger deal than that? Amen. Yet I run into Christians all the time, every week somewhere, that claim to be saved, but they don't glorify Jesus Christ. Amen? I'll tell you why. Because they're way too concerned about other things. There shouldn't be anything in competition for the Lord Jesus Christ, who said the first commandment was to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. And it's not a sin, by any means, to enjoy other things. I enjoy things. Just keep him first. Amen? And if you keep him first, it'll show. And there'll be evidence. And I'm not talking about walking around with a big grin on your face like everything's fine all the time. Everything is not fine all the time. We go through stuff. We're to weep with them that weep. But look, man, I know some people, man, I mean, they, they're just down all the time uh, when it comes to spiritual stuff. Amen. You're going to make me amen myself again, ain't you? 
Once was enough. You got it. Amen. It, it says, it says, well, let me, first, we're talking about glorifying God. Bartimaeus glorified God. First Corinthians chapter six, that Pauline, right? Gun barrel straight. No stretch of the imagination. He says in verse 19, he said, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Amen. He's telling, these are believers. This is a church this epistle is being read at. Uh, yeah, I guess that was right. And uh, he said you're bought with a price. And, you know, uh, one day I got a hold of Acts 20, 28, where it talked about the price was being the blood of God. Jesus died for our sins, according to Scripture. That was the blood of God that was shed that day. That's the price of our redemption, beloved. And verse 20 there in 1 Corinthians 6 ends with these words, Therefore... Glorify God in your body and in your spirit. With, little reminder, which are God's. Uh, man, this day and age, everybody's so worked up over their rights. I'm looking at the Bible, I'm going, we don't have any rights. Hey, isn't that right? We belong to God. Isn't that what it says? Amen. If your Bible doesn't say that, raise your hand and we'll get you a King James. Because that's what my Bible says. Amen? <laughs> I didn't even get one amen on that. Okay. And uh, so let me, let's just start right here. In your body. It said, glorify God in your body. So that means where you go. Where you go. Does where you go glorify God? Amen? Or, or what you do. It says in your body. I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, does what you do glorify God? I mean, obviously on non-church days. What you talk about, does it glorify God? Do you have to whisper? You shouldn't have to. My mom had an old saying about that that I will not repeat. Amen. How about, how about what you think about? Does what you think about glorify God? It starts right here. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in my sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Sometimes we, we, we learn to control our mouth and, and don't even realize that God's here and what's going on up there. Amen. And hey, listen, you need to think about what you think about. I know that was deep. I'll give you a second to write it down if you want. It's profound. Because when your thought life starts heading a direction that wouldn't glorify God if he was right there, maybe you need to think about changing course because he's right there. That's the easy part. How about what you look at on the internet? Does that glorify God? All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 28. Bible says, Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. That's not in there for filler. 
Amen. If what you're looking at on the Internet, anywhere, if it stirs up lust in your heart, you're guilty. And you need to get it right. And you need to confess it. And you need to repent of it. And you quit, you need to quit pretending that nobody knows. Because God knows. I'm trying to help you tonight. Amen? Boy, we live in a day, we got, buddy, I'm going to tell you what. There's things going on in Christian homes. There's going on in Christians, men's minds that before the computer came into our lives would never be there. But it is. And the, the fight is on. And you better fight. Because you're supposed to glorify God in your body, in everything you do. Men, you don't think I'm going to let the women off easy, do you? Let me give you a verse, ladies. Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 10 says this, And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. That doesn't say she was a harlot. You know what a harlot is, don't you? That's a prostitute. There's another word. I don't need to throw it out here tonight. I think you get the drift. Amen? But she is dressed like one. You read through the passage, she acted like one too. So how she dressed affected her conduct. Amen? Let me tell you something. The attire of a harlot is designed to do one thing. And that's to incite lust in a man. My preacher said one time, went right up in Mount Airy, I was with him. 30 years ago, he said, ladies, if it ain't for sale, why are you advertising it? (laughs) Amen. That's good old-fashioned preaching. I like that. Amen. Listen, just, you can do it the way you want. Does the way you dress glorify God? Or does it incite lust in men? That's very quiet, and it should be. You need to think about it. Okay, we might as well go with it, right? Have we taken an offering yet? Because I probably won't get one. You're not getting no money back. Now listen. Yoga pants, and there's probably other things they call them. They're underwear, aren't they? Tights, leggings, what is it? They're, they're supposed to be underwear, Okay, let me help you. I get it. The operative syllables of the word underwear are under. We're not supposed to see them. We're not supposed to see what we see when you go out in public with your underwear. And every people do it. And I'm not trying, I'm not preaching at the mall. Christians do it. So you dads and you husbands, where is your brain? Say, well, women don't understand. They understand more than you think, number one. And dads and husbands, you got some responsibility in the home. Yep. Yep. 
You got that point, didn't you? One more thing, just in case you still like me. (laughs) Does your social media account glorify God? Amen. Does it glorify God or is it like most? Me. It's all about me. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is who I don't like. This is why I don't like them. And that harlot was subtle of heart. And people get on the internet, on social media, and make little comments. And then say, when they get busted, you know, when they get in trouble for it, they say, oh, I was just kidding. No, you weren't. Stinking liar. You just didn't want to get busted. Amen. That is good preaching. Thank you for letting me come here. <laughs> that I hope you're liking it because you ain't never coming back. <laughs> well, never know. Never know. Amen. I might get soft for it's over, but probably not because Mrs. Wonderful, she's old school. That book says most men will proclaim everyone their own goodness, and that social media platform could be used to glorify Jesus Christ. But in my just from the feedback I get, I don't know, but it everybody's just talking about themselves. Can I help you with something? You're not near as interesting as you think. <laughs> I know I'm the one I had to bust that bubble for you. <laughs> Well, conversely, I'm talking about compared to Jesus Christ. Let's face it. Very quiet. I'm loving it. It said in your body, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Physical sins defile the flesh. But it says, Paul wrote in Galatians 5 and 26, let us not be desirous of vain glory. Provoking one another, envying one another. Things like pride, envy, bitterness, covetousness. Those things defile the spirit. Amen? Beloved, if you're saved, your spirit. In other words, your attitude. Your humility. The Bible says before honor is humility. It, it better not be all about you. Because you got some things very much out of order in your walk if you're number one. And I'm not saying you're not saved. Christians get out of whack. That's why we have meetings. Amen. So I'm trying to hit everything you told me to preach on. Am I doing it? Because that's what some of you are thinking. Amen. But he doesn't. Because I'm not smart enough to take notes. Our spirit is supposed to glorify God. Amen. It says this, uh, 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 1, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Amen. Bartimaeus glorified God. In his body and in his spirit. And so should you. Amen. In your body. I get it, man. The flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And they're contrary one to the other. And it's a fight. But 
Sometimes we're saved and we wave the King James Bible around and the fight is not fair. The flesh is doing its part, but the spirit doesn't lose if the victory is in Jesus Christ. The problem is we just lay down. We're supposed to fight back. That's where God gets the glory. We're more than conquerors. God of this world is going to end up in the lake of fire. Why is he dictating your priorities? Well, I didn't know. Well, that's the problem. You don't know. But the Spirit of God isn't dictating your priorities. If you're not glorifying God in your body and your spirit, when something gets out of whack, you're supposed to confess it. That's why it blows my mind. People aren't praying and confessing and getting right like they used to. Maybe you're all doing it at home. Or in the car, I don't know. But I see the condition of Christianity in our camp this day. We're not getting closer to God. We're getting closer to that, that, uh, that, that, uh, that place in Revelation 3 where we're nigh on to worthless and God's gonna take us out of here to start the next thing. You hear me? Alright, moving on. How many are ready to move on? Okay, I didn't even look. I'm not looking. And the verse ends with these words. And all the people, when they saw it, they saw what? They saw this blind man receive his sight. They saw this blind man follow Jesus Christ. They saw this blind man glorifying God. And it says, and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. People notice when things really change. They do. Amen. Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Religion, no religion. No Protestant religion, no Catholic religion, no Islam. No religion can do what Bible Christianity does. Because only Jesus Christ can make a new creature out of a person. And the greatest witness there is in this lost and dying world, is the change that the Lord makes in a person's life. That no, You know, the Joe Witnesses can't duplicate that. The Mormons, they can't duplicate that. They can fill you with their ideas. Jesus Christ will change a person. It changed their heart. It changed the direction of their life. He'll cause somebody to ask the reason of the hope that lieth in you with meekness and fear. And that opens the door for you to tell them about your Savior. You won't be bragging on yourself if you ever get a hold of this. The Bible says this in 1 Peter. Here's where I say I'm almost done and some of you are going to finally. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, Peter wrote this, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should, uh, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Are you saved? Come on, I'm not setting you up. Just say yeah. If you're saved here tonight, you've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. 
<laughs> and the Bible says in that verse that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvels. Show them to who? Show them to them that are still in darkness. Beloved, we're the only hope the world's got. Amen? I'm not here to pick on you. I'm here to help you. Understand that you have a responsibility to represent Jesus Christ so that you can have some part and somebody else getting it. Somebody had a part and you getting it. And we're left here and we're still here because God's not done. Amen? So I'll wrap it up with three questions. Number one, are you saved? Maybe somebody here is still in spiritual darkness. Man, that can be fixed with an honest heart. He didn't make it hard. He Religion makes it hard. Man will complicate it. Paul was worried about, the, as the serpent beguiled Eve, that uh, their minds might be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He didn't make it hard. If you're in here tonight and you're not saved, let one of us open a Bible and show you how easy it is. Amen? Don't let fear keep you away from the greatest gift that ever was given and the assurance and comfort of knowing your sins are gone. Why would you live like that one day longer than you have to? And I understand even as I ask the questions. I, I, I can recall the different reasons. But I'm just trying to encourage you. Take the plunge. People will try everything else. Let me just help you. Nothing else is going to work. There's things that work in this life. There's programs. There's But this thing this is an eternal thing and nothing else is going to get you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. When I saw that, I went... Well, I'm glad that wasn't multiple choice. I'd have got it wrong. It's not multiple choice. It's Jesus Christ. Plus nothing, minus nothing. Are you saved? If you are, praise the Lord. If you're not, you can be. Should be. Amen. And if you are saved, then here, just be honest. No show of hands, but are you following Jesus? Are you following Jesus Christ? You should be. And if you're not, who are you following? You're following somebody. What I know this, out of them 40 and 2 uh, children that were slain uh, for mocking the man of God, though, I'll tell you what, there was a couple loud mouths and everybody else was following. And the guilt by association, they all suffered it. That's why you need to be real careful of the company you keep. Amen? But truth of the matter is, most people, if you're not following Jesus Christ, if something's keeping you from getting all the way in, you're following something, you're following somebody, and uh, I'm, I don't get it. Amen. Uh, something has your attention, something else has your affection. Amen. And I hope it's not some internet wacko. And when I say that, you know, we think about flat earth and some of that foolishness. But I'm going to tell you what, there's some real slick operators and I go to churches and I hear about pastors tell tell me, well, I got a family, a new family, but, you know, they're coming to me and they're listening to that guy out in Arizona and they're listening to different guys and there have been some out of Tennessee a few years ago, 20 years ago, is a different guy and they're slick and they're, and they're, and they're, they know a lot of Bible and they're sowing discord in the body of Christ, sowing doubt 
and I'll tell you, well, that's why God gave you a local church. That's why God gave you a pastor. This is how God set it up. And the devil said, if I can get their attention, boom. Al Gore did not invent the Internet. Satan did. Amen. And some of you are going, ooh, don't Google it. Don't Google it. Amen. So, now you're saved. You're faithful. Does your life, just be honest, does your life glorify God? Or does every conversation end up being about you? There's something wrong with that. And I know people, they don't ever inquire about anybody else. And they don't ever, I've never heard a conversation about something God's done. And we all have issues and interests and it's okay to have stuff. But I know some people, I know Christians, they don't ever talk about the Lord. It's all about, and they can quote some scripture and they'll tell you a time and a place. And all they got to talk about is themselves. And that don't glorify God, beloved. So who does your life glorify? Who are you following? Let's all stand. Blind Bartimaeus. He had nothing. And he got in. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about him. Preaching about him. He's a better Christian than some of us. Amen? 32 years ago, I got in. I got saved. And God put me in a place that taught me the importance of doing it God's way. Amen? I'm no spiritual giant by any means. I got a Bible. And I want to do right by God by going by the book. And nothing I said in here tonight that isn't in keeping with the Bible that we claim to believe.